Welcome, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. This is your host, Sarah Box, and I'm very happy to welcome you to another edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. I'm really excited today to introduce you to our guest, Dr. Virginia LeBlanc. The cool thing that I think, because I got to talk to her for quite a bit before we actually started recording, is there are some great synergies. She's fun. She has a great outlook. But let me tell you something about her that I think is interesting. She is an author, a speaker, a singer, a coach, consultant, and educator who has mastered the ability to traverse diverse industries, including government, business, higher education, performing arts, and the not-for-profit sectors through her divergent thinking. And I just think that's such a great quilt, if you will, of pieces that come together to create the whole. So welcome, Dr. Virginia LeBlanc. And how do you like to be referred Thank you so much, Sarah. It's my absolute pleasure to be here with you and your listeners. And you're welcome to call me Dr. Virginia, Doc, Virginia. I'm flexible. (laughs) I'm going with Doc. I like Doc. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I like it. So will you share a little bit about yourself, just some of the pieces you think it would be helpful for our listeners to know to provide context around you? Sarah, thank you so much. Let me start to just tell you a little bit about myself and just kind of how I came to be on this new path of what I call heart health and fulfillment within myself. I started with a background in education, music, performance. I was an opera and classical singer. I was on that path in life and ended up having to course correct, if you will, which took me into higher education uh, in some other fields, working with not-for-profit organization and eventually starting my own business before I came out here to the D.C. area. So what I kind of learned through moving through on this path was that life happens and it's usually not what we plan. It's never what we planned. <laughs> and I had to figure out how to cope with life, how to traverse life, and also most importantly, how to love myself from the inside out as I faced these fears and dealt with the change. So when you said that you had to change directions... From your music, was that by choice or by circumstance? Both, actually. I chose to become a caregiver for my father, and that caused me to, making that choice put me in a circumstance where I was on a path to be an international singer. I wanted to be an opera and classical singer. I was overseas in Salzburg, Austria, studying with uh, Grace Bunbury there, and you know, I knew my father's health was ailing. So, the short of the long story, I made the choice to come back to be a caregiver. I am an only child, but I had a choice and there was no other choice for me but to care for my father. So when I made that choice, I had to figure out, okay, what else am I capable of? What are my skill sets? What can I transfer the things that I've learned in the opera and classical arena what field could I go into? And that's really what triggered, I guess, really my thinking, my divergent thinking, trying to figure out how can I connect the dots to something else. Did you have a particular process that you used or was that just by thinking through and experiencing? You know, that's an excellent question. And I believe the answer to that was because of my educational background and experience of 
both integrating and accessing both left brain and right brain capabilities, the creativity just kind of happened. <laughs> you know, people think we performing artists just perform all day and that's only, you know, a small amount of that. But performing artists have to draw upon both halves of their brain. So really, I think that's really what just kicked in. And I had to figure out, okay, what skills am I good in? What experience have I had in life? What does that transfer to? And of course, I had to do the research. Figure out. I was on a college university campus, so I started thinking about just my ability to be able to communicate. Also, I had worked for an organization called the National Panhellenic Council, in which I literally stood that organization up from a defunct state, and really my creative skills kind of really helped with that. And, and that's kind of where my whole business sense began. I had to do the research and, and basically self-talk in that area. So that's kind of how I started to navigate those waters, so to speak. Is now, for our listeners, you have a book called Love the Skin You're In. Yes. You have a business where you focus on individual coaching and you have a business that focuses on business. Yes. It's working and management. So you have this great trio of things working together with an intersection that as you're talking, I'm guessing is that heart-centered intersection. Exactly. You know, Sarah, heart health is so important in all that we do, because if our heart is not right, again, working toward that self-love, that unconditional self-love, we it's more difficult to be productive in your personal life as well as your professional life. How can someone know if their heart's not right? I mean, you know, we can get going really quickly in our days and move through them and think everything's good. What are the signs that we're just not right with ourselves and our heart? Being honest with ourselves, honestly, because as you said, we get started, we're going about our days, we're just constantly moving and, you know, the days are exhausting and long and, you know, we're willing and dealing and all of these other things. But we really have to take time. We know our inner self tells us when something is not quite right. And I don't like using the term balance, nothing against it, but we know when we're not managing our reality. That's how I refer to it. We're not managing our reality, but we tend to not be honest with ourselves. Or if we're constantly having conflict in our life, you know, within our relationships and relationship, you know, that's at the core of everything. That's how we know, but we never address it until we're forced to address it, whether it's a breakup, it's losing a job, you know, what have you. And so that would be my answer to you. <laughs> Listening to that voice inside of us that is trying to get out and t- that is telling you that your heart needs some attention. So when, and I will speak actually from personal experience, it's been some time now, but when you know that you're not like in sync, I'll use my lingo yes. here, West, in sync. <laughs> You're just not in. I like it. You're not in alignment with who you are. (laughs) Love it. Know it because there. It feels like there's these glitches. Yes. Smooth. You know, like you're saying, you might not even have full blown disagreements, but you're just not smooth. You're not in it. So, say I come to you because you do one on one coaching. What do you do with me? I just, you know, if all I say is I don't know, something's got to change. Blah. It's on you now to help me. What? What's my path with you like? You know, I actually love that disposition when people come to me because it's like I have a a blank slate to just be creative with you. And that's why I call the type of personal coaching I do creative life design. And what I help people realize is 
they have a choice. Most of us think we're choosing as we're moving through life. And yes, we're making, you know, everyday choices, what to wear, how to wear our hair, you know, whatever the case may be. But we've never processed back to even our childhood as to some of the things, the paths that we were placed on in which we didn't have a choice or we thought it was our choice to say our parents put us on that path or a teacher put us on that path. And we're moving along life thinking, okay, we're, you know, everything is fine and we're all good until we come to that place or that realization where we have become tired of being sick and tired (laughs) and we actually want to figure this thing out. So the first thing is to help people realize they have a choice. And they can be extremely creative in their choice. So that's kind of how I approach my personal coaching business. So that it sounds like you stay really connected to that person and their own inner guidance or heart center. Exactly. It's, it's my goal to help them realize their path, not me to put them on the path I think they would be good on. And so we go through a process, which I call a visioning process, and, and we do blueprinting and, and planning and, and all along, you know, helping them because I think it's very important to have a holistic perspective on life, which some people don't like that term holistic. I love it because you know, we have to be centered mind, body, and spirit. So you work in all those domains? Yes. Now you also work in the nonprofit sector, correct? Yes, correct. Correct. So do you use a similar approach when you, I mean, do you work with boards or management staff or lines? Where do you work? And what is your philosophy when you work with nonprofits? Absolutely. So on my personal business and defining paths, I do work with nonprofits, business, any business type entity or organization that is seeking to change their current circumstances or to grow and develop. During the day, I also work with the federal government, but in the area that I work with the federal government is in human resources. So what I do in my defining paths business, because again, I believe everything is relationship. Everything starts with the heart health. I'm dealing with and I'm focusing on what I call human capital value. So I don't like the term human capital management. It's the term that's out there when we refer to our workforce or what have you. But human capital value, again, is dealing with people. It's dealing with relationships and starting there, understanding there and working outward in my opinion, in my experience, helps the bottom line, is the bottom line and how you grow to be productive. So let's have an example of that. I'm, I'm thinking of actually some nonprofits that I work with, right? And they're small and scrappy mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. They're also fighting the, let me say this in a nice way, the unrealistic expectation from funders that I'm going to give you this money and you need to put it on the front line, but too bad for you know what it takes to run your business, right? Yes. In fact, I was just having a conversation today with a nonprofit leader saying, I look in my sector and people are burning out, right? Because mm-hmm. there's the grind and there's more need yes. for right now. So that to me was a very heartfelt statement, right? Recognizing that and what it takes to serve. So you walk into an organization, where might you start with someone? And we'll just stay focused on nonprofits since mm-hmm. the federal government's kind of grande. It is that. So where I would start, first of all, what is their mission and what is their vision and what is your purpose? Because if you don't have those things, first of all, clear in your mind, the whole just let's just go to the the conversation on, on the funders. 
the love of money, you know, they're saying the love of money is the root of evil. <laughs> now, we won't get into the whole spiritual conversation behind that, but the focus there is on money. And it's not about people. Money comes and goes. But if your mind is focused on the money and not the mission or, you know, the purpose of why you're serving or why this nonprofit exists and the people who are providing the services, if you're not filling them up constantly in some way, shape or form, they're constantly pouring out and you can't pour what you don't have. So focusing on the people that are doing the work is where the work should start. You work with nonprofits in your area, right? But you also do, do you work remote with folks? Yes, I absolutely do work remote with folks. Mm, Or if they want me to come in, you know, I'll fly in and... Because I can imagine some of the folks I work with are going to want to know more about you. And we'll have those links Mm -hmm. on the podcast, but I think you bring an additional way of kind of thinking about things, plus your connection to the federal government and knowing how those big gears work. Let me back up. Where do you get the most satisfaction? That's what I want to know. I get the most satisfaction, Sarah, in seeing the fruit of the labor <laughs> that I'm providing. I love to see people. I love to see the aha moments in people's eyes, their body language in, you know, whatever the reason they came to me. I like seeing the change in their life. And I have a saying about embrace your fear and it will become your ally. And I firmly believe that because that's what has happened to me in my life. And I love to see my people you know, exemplify that. So now I'm going to ask you, what were some of the fears you had to get over to be right here in this moment today? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, I would probably have to say my fear of the unknown. The unknown is a scary place, you know, regardless of what we're doing, whether we're we're going to a new place or meeting someone for the first time. But the fear, what helped me to get over that fear of the unknown, I absolutely love what your podcast is about. No labels, no limits. That's what Love the Skin You're In is about. You know, just conquering life through divergent thinking with no labels, no limits, not allowing that to attach to yourself. So one just kind of finally arriving at a place of unconditional self-love for myself, doing the work on myself. I started actually doing that through a program several years back called Celebrate Recovery, which helps you deal with and get over your hurts, hangups, and habits in life. And it really was kind of like, I would say, the spark that (laughs) lit the fire under me and that eventually led to this book along with some other life circumstances. But I think just getting over that fear that someone... um, of the unknown of whether or not someone's going to like you or whether or not you're going to say the right things. I think when you approach things with the right heart, the right mindset, it's going to translate and those who need to hear your message will hear it and be affected by it. That's pretty powerful. I'm just, I'm smiling because I had this conversation this morning and this gal was saying that was the challenge, right? It's like Mm -hmm. having some of those conversations that can be difficult, but really you're just, if you do come from the right place, you're not blaming somebody else. You're just saying, I need some help here, understanding or shifting this or whatever. Absolutely. Tell me how you define divergent and, you know, the base of that divergent, diverse. I mean, how do you use that? Because I think, and I told you this before we started that I love that language that you use 
because I feel right now, and it's a, it's a, honestly a sadness for me that I don't feel we are very embracing of divergent thinking or divergent people, whatever. We're just rigid and it makes me sad. So I'm happy to see people clear across the country <laughs> going divergent, diverse, whatever. So talk about what that means in your world, your work. So divergent thinking to me, plainly put, is thinking outside the norm, thinking without the norm. You know, before we started to record, I mentioned that there's a concept that I promote about thinking without a box, because that box is there to either keep us in or to keep us out, but the box is always in sight, in line of sight. So anything that is not attached to that box is viewed as being abnormal or different or something to be feared, you know, whether it's a person, place or thing. So I think understanding and approaching life from an experiential point of view, from a journey point of view, from a lifelong learning point of view helps to start opening up our minds. And when we do that, you know, we become powerful. We learn a concept that, you know, I I learned in my spiritual walk about space for grace. You know, if you, one, deal with yourself and you can learn to love yourself, then you can learn to love others. And then through that whole process of learning to or or self-love, you develop a space for grace because you have finally acknowledged your imperfections. (laughs) And I think that's a huge problem for us and really at the heart of our conflict, our societal conflicts, we're all striving for perfection and perfection is unattainable. You know, we can be the best that we can be. Your definition of success is not my definition of success. So I think starting to understand these concepts and having this divergent thinking, whether it's it's spirit, it's experience, it's, you know, educational experiences and accepting we are all different and we were never meant to be the same, (laughs) you know, be who you were meant to be. We tend to wear these masks and put on these masks because we want the next person to like us. We want them to think we are like them for some type of preferential treatment or just a feeling of belonging. But you have to belong to yourself first and foremost. And when we know how to love and lead ourselves, then we can love and lead people. So the divergent thinking concept, you know, it's all encompassing. As I mentioned before, it's an integration of the left and right brain. It's your educational, and experiential experience and living and just learning how to be an individual in the collective, so to speak. That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Sarah. (laughs) I'm a little speechless here for a minute. It doesn't happen to me often. When you were talking about masks. Yes. And just how many, I just go back to being a kid, right? Even in grade Mm -hmm. school right? Yes. You want friends, you have to act a certain way, or you have to be cool or not cool or care or not, whatever, right? They're mm-hmm. so subtle. And yes. there's a layer of them that get built up. And oftentimes, I think it's easy for an individual to lose sight of who they are because they only yes. see the mask. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And, you know, again, my book, it's an autobiography. So it literally covers from my childhood all the way to the present. And there's a section of the book where I talk about just that whole adolescent teenager experience and, you know, dealing with bullying, dealing with making difficult decisions, wearing that mask. You know, I was People would have thought I had it or thought I had everything together at that point in my life. I was dealing with my parents' divorce, my stepfather coming into my life. But I was someone who, I guess, 
gave myself, it was a self-inflicted performance anxiety because I was trying to make up, I guess, for all of these things in my life that I was uncomfortable about. So, you know, I was going, I was in choir, you know, I, I was in sports, 4.0 GPA, you name it. So on the outside, I look like the all-American girl. (laughs) I had it together. But there was so much going on underneath the surface that, you know, almost and could have been my undoing. I want people to buy your book, actually. So I don't want you to say too much. Okay. (laughs) Appreciate the support. Because I do. I appreciate the support. And I really do think it's healing for folks. I've gotten a lot of feedback about that. So. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions as we start to wrap up here. One is thinking about yourself before all of that transition, right? So you are younger than that. You're going along thinking things are copacetic. Life's going to work out just as little Virginia has it planned. What advice would you give that Virginia knowing what you've come through to be where you are today? Not that you would change anything, but just advice. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. That's an excellent question. The advice I would give that, Virginia, would be to embrace myself, who I am, and believe that all things are possible, that life happens, and everything is a lesson learned. You know, I don't believe there's such, there is such a thing as failure, but societal mindsets and and constructs tend to make us believe we fail at certain things. So I would tell that Virginia just to embrace life, embrace who she is, and to understand everything is a lesson learned if I need to course correct and to not be fearful in doing so. Do you still sing? I do. (laughs) I do still sing. Not as much as I used to because I have all of these other things going on, but I do. Some of my, uh, some colleagues I meet around town, they're like, oh, you should come sing with us at this jazz set. Or, you know, I get a request to sing the national anthem quite a bit being in the D.C. area. For the nationals, yeah. Actually, the nationals have not invited me yet, so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're not in the playoffs. They're, I think that's the reason. Uh, they have not invited me yet, but uh, I sing at the Pentagon quite often. And I used to sing at National City Christian Church downtown D.C. I was one of their artists in residence there. So so you do have the whole right brain, left brain thing going. You know, I, it's a beautiful thing, Sarah. I enjoy it. I like the diversity, you know, and just really coming to understand uh through, you know, my coining of divergent thinking, you know, I've just embraced it more and I absolutely love it and promote it and teach others how to start engaging in that. I have a feeling our paths are going to cross in person, not just distance wise, not on the waves of the webs, because I got something cooking. <laughs> I love it. The I always have stuff are... cooking. But I'm, thinking, uh-huh. I'm thinking there's something there. But for me, I'm very glad that you were part of the podcast today because I know what you have to say matters. I love that you are also a no labels, no limits gal and have kind of busted through your own fears to be sitting where you are today. Absolutely. Because we need that. We We need more of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to know there's a, a leader out front doing that in this space. I would like you to, as we end, just if there's one last thought you want to share, it is yours to share. One last thought that I would love to share is that loving the skin you're in is not only about the literal, but the figurative. 
And once you start figuring out that you have value and you accept that value and your reality, wherever you are at that place, in that space, at that time, you can start moving forward one step at a time, but always keep your eyes forward. The past is the past. The present is the present. The future is whatever you want to make it. So I would just encourage people to keep looking forward, continue to work on themselves. Success. Don't be afraid of what you're going to find because it's what's defined you and it's what makes you strong and resilient and the brilliant individual that you are. You're just waiting to be uncovered like a diamond. (laughs) And on that note, Thank you very much. My absolute pleasure, Sarah. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the time with your audience. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.